The first lesson is taken from Acts, the third chapter, beginning at the eleventh verse. This is where Peter speaks in Solomon's portico after the healing of the lame beggar. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the church Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. The word of the Lord. A gospel reading for this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter. I begin reading in the 16th verse. I invite you, as you're able, to stand for the reading. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Hopefully that gospel text will sound familiar to you if for no other reason than we read it last week as well. The week of Easter, those words of Jesus known uh, to many as the Great Commission, uh, we were told the week of Easter that uh, researchers tell us in Barna that over 51% of Christians Uh, when asked, don't know what the Great Commission is. So now you've heard it two weeks in a row. The calling to go is shaped 
by the life comeback that Jesus has won for us through his resurrection. And on this fourth weekend celebrating Easter, we remember that Christ and his resurrection is still changing the world and still changing us. And so he calls us and commands us to go. When you think about what you share, and we can't help but think of sharing by clicking share these days, like maybe sharing a meme that caught your attention, made you think, or made you laugh. Or maybe you share a song, and now it's pretty easy to do that, right? Just click a link on Spotify or on YouTube to share a song that's captured your attention or your heart. Or maybe in years gone by, you recall maybe taking the trouble to make a mixtape to share, right? Well, there's all kinds of things that, that get us inspired to share. I have seen some of your posts about your Instapot and your air fryer. We get inspired about all kinds of things. And when we do, we can't help when we can't help but share what we love. When you're around someone who's really passionate about something and they love something quite a bit, you'll know it within probably the first 60 seconds of being around them. It just pours out. And as our lives, yours and mine, are being transformed by the gospel of Christ Jesus in a way we pray we can't help I'm not talking about social media now we can't help but share now look let's be realistic sharing about an instapot or an air fryer or a favorite song has not a lot of capital that you have to invest into it. You don't have to give much of anything up. But as it was for the disciples, as we heard in Acts chapter 3 this week and chapter 4 last week, the ramifications then and now continue to be monumental. Continue to be monumental. And so I don't shortchange how challenging and difficult it can sometimes be. And we'll look at that this morning. But the disciple life that we're called to live, that Jesus modeled and then gifted us with, and this call of discipleship that we hear in the Great Commission, is a life, as Mike Breen writes about it and observes, is meant to be lived upward that is in our relationship with God, the one that Christ has formed for us, inward in the body of Christ, and we spent quite a bit of time talking about that last week, and outward for the sake of the other, the call to go and make disciples. Jesus' command was not ready, set, wait, Nor was it any more ready, set, hide. And nor is it ready, set, hire the pastor to do that. Right? It's ready, set, and now go. 
Go. When we understand the power of what Christ has done in the resurrection, what he's done for the world, what he's done for you and me, we can't help but let it pour out to lay our lives down. Yes, our treasure, but even our very lives. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that this week, this week is an important week in history. 500 years ago this week, that is, on April 17th, Martin Luther arrived in Worms, Germany. There he would stand the next day on April 18th and he would be there uh, the greater part, well really a whole week he wouldn't be released to leave until I think April 26th. He would stand before the emperor and his elector for what he had shared. Now he knew in advance it probably wouldn't go well since 10 days before he'd already been excommunicated. But he was there to stand and he was invited and asked to recant, that is to take back what he had said, what he had taught, what he had written. Now, I know it was part of a thoughtful, prayerful, maybe even strategic moment, seeking to be faithful, but I love the fact that on April 18th, when he finally stood before the emperor, the most powerful man in the world at the time, that he said, "Eh, can I have a, a little bit more time to decide? I'm not quite ready. And so after a two-hour debate the princes, uh, with the princes, they, in the, along with the emperor's permission, gave permission for him to take another day. And when Luther came back the next day to stand before the princes and the emperor, and indeed in some ways the whole world, he gave an answer. Now, The platform in which you stand on or stand before may not be in front of the most powerful person in the world. It may not be as large as as it was for Luther. After all, I think it was Time Magazine around the year 2000 that called Luther the man of the millennia because of the impact of what he had done. And imagine had he recanted that day, the impact of that retraction. But instead, with the support of close friends in Christ around him, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Scriptures, he was able to say, knowing it probably meant like so many others who had gone before him, his own life, he said before God and before the emperor and before all and now before history, unless I can be convinced by plain reason and indeed the holy scriptures, here I stand, I can do no other. God, help me. That's where Luther stood. 
But God invites you and I to take a daily stand wherever we're called to go. You may not be called to do what Luther did because you're not Luther and neither am I. But you will be called to go where the Lord leads you. It may be all the way to Madagascar or it might be down the hall in your home as the upcoming LCMC gathering in October talks about in its theme to call to share and live the gospel. And there are lots of reasons why we don't act boldly like the disciples did in the book of Acts as we read last week in chapter 4. There are lots of reasons why we don't live boldly like we hear Peter preaching about a miracle in Acts 3 today. We're going to discuss briefly four of them. The first is, sometimes we just don't understand the ramifications of what it means that Jesus rose from the dead. The next is that sometimes we don't feel like we can defend it in this secular modern age. I mean, talk about miracles in 2021. Sometimes it's just that we feel so alone. We don't have a community of believers supporting us and cheering us on and supporting us in that faith. And and then sometimes we don't recognize the calling, the calling that God has actually given us. That's you and me, all of us. And so we'll briefly take a look at those four concerns this morning as we consider this scripture text. So Peter was explaining in his sermon what the miracle of the lame man who had just been healed, the first healing by the apostles after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended. And Peter quickly understood, as one commentator pointed out, that they no doubt didn't get what it meant. As sometimes you and I don't get what the resurrection itself means. For they were not exercising control over God, as Gerhard Croto points out, but instead they were just simply remaining faithful as subjects. They weren't advertising themselves, the apostles, as somebody. They were standing and representing the great somebody, Christ himself. And as another pastor put it, this miracle served as a sort of accreditation, if you will. Accreditation of who they are and who they were serving. Indeed, it was an explanation point that it was Christ whom they served. This miracle came by faith in Christ and no one else. There's that same pastor that talked about the accreditation points out this resurrection truth changes everything. This miracle, like all miracles, as this pastor will write, it, similar to the language of Mike Breen in the, in the life of the church, points to an upward relationship with God, a forward truth of hope that is to come in the paradise 
that Christ, the parousia that God has for us, an inward transformation that God has for us, and then the downward, or what I'm calling today, outward, or go call that Christ has for us an impact for the world around. And so the resurrection changes everything, and, and healings like this one of a, of a lame man being healed remind us not just of some extraordinary supernatural work that God is doing, but that as one scholar puts it, it actually is returning things to their natural order as God always intended. It's a glimpse of heaven for us. The restoration. And so the resurrection reminds us that it is life that God gives. After all, Peter calls him the author of life. And so this author of life should lead us to hope, to get glimpses of what is to come in the forward life, but so we can live now, outward for others, inward as the body of Christ, and upward with God himself. He calls us to repentance, and that's not always easy. You'll recall the example I used last week of the, of the brilliant scholar, Dr. Rosario Butterfield. She was resisting this when she was, for her research to write negatively about the Christian church, she'd read, as she writes, the Bible seven times through by this time, two years in. And as a researcher, something happened, she wrote. The Bible got to be bigger inside me than I. It overflowed into my world. And it's interesting what she adds after that. I fought against it with all my mind. The Bible overflowed. God's word overflowed into her world despite herself. And it led her finally to repentance. And it's where it leads us And because of that overflowing love that God has poured out, the glimpse of what is to come, the hope that we can live by, we're called to share it. But sometimes we don't because this leads to our next reason. Sometimes we feel like we can't defend it. We're not sure if we can really articulate it like maybe we think we should. Or know how we defend it in light of our friends who just have a hard time coming to terms with supernatural things like a miracle. How can that be? Until we see that what God is doing is just making wrong right. Restoring life as he already and always intended. Until we hear testimony like from ancient historians like Eusebius, who from the first century give affirmation to the early writings that we now call the New Testament and identify them. Even back in the first century there, early, early on, as faithful testimonies. 
And yes, he even comments on some of the writings that weren't faithful. (laughs) And so we can trust in these eyewitness accounts of what God has done. Today we even have uh, the gifts of science to give us a clue that uh, the author of life restoring things might not be so topsy-turvy when you consider things like chaos theory and quantum physics. But the reality is, is that it's God's work by faith in Christ and there is evidence and eyewitness account But that still does not neglect the challenge for us. Because often we feel alone in this secular world. We feel alone. And so we need the body of Christ gathered together to stir one another up in faith. To be encouraged to live out this calling. Those friends of Martin Luther that that encouraged him during that week long affair You see, after he'd made that great confession of faith, bishops and leaders kept bringing him over, let's have some dinner and let me convince you why you should still recant. It would just be so much easier. The pressure, the difficulty, but the the conviction of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit supported by dear Christian friends kept him anchored in the truth. And then finally, we think, well, we don't recognize that you and I are also called. I don't have a doctorate in theology like he did. My vocation is, is working with money, or I'm an engineer. Or I teach my kids, or I teach other people's kids, or I work on cars. And yet that calling comes to all of us in our baptism. There's an axiom that one scholar pointed out here. Is, it's that you give what you truly have. Because that's what Peter did in his sermon here. He said, I, before healing that lame man, he said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have is Christ. And he offered him the forgiveness that Christ had and then ultimately the healing that God had to offer. And so we pour out from what God has given us in the place that he's called us to be or he's called us to go. Maybe he's calling you to Madagascar or maybe he's calling you to live out your faith in your daily life in ways I can't even imagine. Reminds me of a story I read this week about what was called a great center for evangelism in the greater Boston area. It was a tire shop and gas station ran by Bob. And Bob, as uh, the writer writes, had determined early on that his daily vocation and his faith would lift out intertwined together. Because after all, and I'll be talking more about this extensively in a sermon series this fall, but where does the world and God's kingdom collide? It collides in his temple, the living temple, you. 
So Bob didn't have any signs up at his gas station and tire shop that said Jesus saved. He didn't even have an ichthus, a fish, on his sign. He simply did a good job. People knew that their work would be done well and fair, and a fair price. Sometimes customers were lined up to get what he offered. But they also knew because he lived and spoke of his faith in Christ often. And so because of that, because of his good work, and because of the way he spoke of his faith, he led many to Christ at that tire shop. This is what God calls us to do. He calls us to go wherever he sends you in your home, your daily work, wherever you may be. God calls us, encouraged by the fellow sisters and brothers, anchored in the truth of the resurrection, in our relationship with God, even in a broken world that seems impossible to be reconciled, how can we possibly speak to this fractured world that's hurting as we saw it hurt so much again this week. We go by shining the light of the resurrection. We don't get unified by our politics or ideologies. We get unified by the risen, living Christ. And we share that good news. And yes, some days it will mean carrying a cross. It will be hard. It will be challenging. But we'll go where he sends us. And where he sends us, by his grace, by his power, may we be able to say with Luther, here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. Amen.